Hi, I'm Keegan Sands, and welcome back to Ship It, the podcast from Debt Agency that's made by engineers for engineers. In today's episode, we have a recording from our most recent Debt Talks Live, where we explored the current and future state of NFTs and how they relate to brands. So without further ado, let's get started. All right, well, welcome everyone. Very excited. This is our final live Dev Talks of 2021. Kicking off with a bang, it seems only appropriate after this past year, how exciting everything that happened in the world of crypto that we figured we would take a look back, cover everything we saw there, and really more importantly, looking what to look forward to in the next year and how the brands can jump into that. My name is Jesse Streb. I am the global SVP of technology here at Depth. Been living and breathing this world for a few years now. Very excited to for all our panelists here. Uh, let me go ahead and introduce those. Uh, let me pass the first to you, David Markley. If you can go ahead and introduce yourself, please. Sure. Thanks, Jesse. Hi, everyone. I'm David Markley. I lead business solutions at Algorand and uh, have been working alongside the team at Depth to work on enabling brands of all different uh, types and sizes to envision and also bring their their dreams, their NFT dreams to life. When I'm not working with them on Algomart, I work on business development, solution architecture, and ecosystem investments here at Algorand. And uh, Jesse, I'll, I'll pass the baton back to you. Thank you, David. I appreciate it. Keep going down the line here. Joel, you want to introduce yourself? Thanks, Jesse. Uh, hi, everyone. Nice to be here. Uh, my name is Raul Reginato. I'm the peer product at Circle, and Circle is a financial uh, services technology company. We do a couple of things. We bring to market infrastructure in terms of digital currency, particularly in the form of, of uh, an asset called uh, USCC or US dollar coin, which is a digital dollar that runs on, on blockchains. And on top of that, we bring financial services that pretty much every business needs from uh, from either a payments or a treasury point of view. Really bring in this concept of companies banking on, on blockchain rails and happy to be here and, and talk about how the future looks like. Excellent. Thank you. Anne-Marie? Hi, everyone. My name is Anne-Marie Giannuzos. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer of the Drone Racing League. We're the world's premier professional drone racing sports league. The best drone pilots in the world fly in our league, and you can watch them. We're going to be on NBC this year on Christmas Day at 3 p.m. If you want to tune in, we, our fans around the world also watch us on Twitter. And we're a proud partner of Algorand. What we're doing together is we're intersecting technology and high-speed virtual and in-real-life drone racing and building our sport into the blockchain. And we combine both esports and e in-real-life competition. And we like to say that we're creating the next era of sport. Excellent. Thank you. Abdel, want to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. Uh, really excited to join you. Uh, so my name is Abdul. What I do now is this. I work at the Coca-Cola company. And at the Coca-Cola company, I'm responsible for partnerships. Partnerships can mean anything in terms of fashion, music, uh, and digital. So as a part of digital, I also lead a, a, a blockchain and anything related to blockchain. And that's why I'm here. So nice to see everyone. Thank you. All right, Brandon Ascob, we got one more. Hi, I'm Brandon Askov. I work at Rocket Insights. I'm the director of web projects here. And we started working with Algorand a while ago to help bring Algomart, the white label open source NFT platform, so that any brand can own their own NFT platform. We brought that to market in October. Since then, we've been helping a lot of customers to sort of understand the next steps in this space and uh, how they could bring 
existing assets or their existing business to the blockchain, or maybe start an entirely new business on the blockchain. So we try to help those people go from idea to actually a fully fledged business. And right now I have the sun pouring on my face for another three minutes. So if it looks a little bright, I apologize. You look great, Brandon. Maybe you look like you're getting some help, <laughs> don't you worry. I think it's all good. That's right. <laughs> so we'll jump into it. I mean, one of the things that I thought we thought would be really interesting is just talking to some of these brands that we have here and understanding how you see crypto relating to your landscape and some of the interesting things you might be able to do there. So since we've got two brands on this uh, panel, that would be great to start with you. So I'll start with you, Amory. I know we've been working pretty closely together. But I'd love to understand like, how you see brands being to think about the crypto strategy. What are some of the important things you think they should be considering? Yeah, it's a great question. Thanks, Jesse. And I've received a ton of advice about this topic in the past year and had to kind of synthesize all of the opinions and great expertise that I was receiving into a strategy that we're going to be marching forward with. What I would say is that, you know, even zooming out from NFTs in particular, blockchain is a part of any modern business strategies and NFTs are certainly part of that equation. And I think there are three key things to keep in mind when you're thinking about setting your particular business strategy. The first, and of course, I'm speaking from, you know, the lens of thinking about fans and sports, but just for generally good business practice, the first thing to think about is how to leverage NFTs to unlock new experiences for your um, business clients, your customers, or your general community. And then ultimately, how does that help you to solve a conversion problem or any other opportunity that you're seeing in terms of your particular business community? So once you've figured out sort of what the utility is going to be, the second thing I would encourage people to think about is who is your partner? I mean, unless you're a firm that has an incredible depth of engineering talent, you're going to want to seek out world-class. We've done that. So we've worked with Depth and Rocket Insights on our particular strategy. And we also have a world-class innovation partner in Algorand. And so we were not necessarily prepared to do it alone, but rather bring our engineering talent to the table to really create a good mix of people that are putting together a strategy. And then the third is thinking about how NFTs blockchain ladder up to ultimately maintaining, helping your business to maintain brand relevance and then scale people that are excited about your brand. We conducted a focus group recently on this topic, and one of the things that was a little surprising to me that I'll share here and helpful was that people that are avid consumers of NFTs reported that they wanted brands and businesses to indicate right up front the longer-term strategy or playbook for how they're going to really um, build this into the core of their business. Like consumers don't want to see this as a one-off. And I think the onus is on us as brand leaders to provide that transparency to the communities that we're serving. Yeah. I don't love hearing that, Anne, really. A big thing you touched upon is utility. And I think the latter part of that is also highlighting it. something that when we talk to our clients about it, that, hey, don't think about it just as a cash grab. Like you got to think about the long-term strategy and what is really the added value you have going to the, those users. Thank you. Abdel, I know that uh, you've been doing a lot of this thought with Coca-Cola as well, and I believe you have some interesting plans for 2022. Uh, what's your advice to other brands in terms of what they should be thinking about in terms of their crypto strategy as well? 
Yes, thanks, Jesse. I think this is a million-dollar question, <laughs> at least I think for brands it is, because you see, should see it from different angles. First of all, it's a brand new technology. I mean, I'm not, and I'm, I'm not sure if I'm speaking for the whole group, but at least for major brands like the Coca-Cola company, it's a brand new technology. So first of all, what's the utility of this? What's the utility of this brand new technology? What can we do with it? And I think probably bring it really down to the point of what are our consumers looking for in this brand new technology? So it's not really a case of what can we get out of it, is how can we use this to leverage this with our consumers? either driving more consumption with existing consumers or driving consumption with newer consumers or consumer recruitment. So seeing it from those those two angles, I think that's important. From a company perspective and, and a product perspective, I think from a legacy perspective, this is probably something that's uh, going to be very, very critical in a lot of the companies. And a legacy perspective, from my point of view, is how do you get legal on board? How do you train your legal? to understand contractual terms, because these are terms that I can assure you they have never seen before and it might scare them off. Secondly, finance. How do you manage to educate your finance departments, especially in these major companies, finance departments are not used to receiving anything related to crypto, either payments or anything. So how do you deal with that? And thirdly is senior management. <clears throat> how do you educate your senior management in terms of, of all these legacy, let's call them issues, you know, that you have to deal with, how do you then move forward with a certain project? So I'm really, for me, it was these two uh, kind of forces combined, the consumer and the legacy in-house. And you need to find a, a, a ground, a common ground. And that common ground, to be honest, for me was, it's, let's say, not as scary as anything to do with, with, with a wider crypto blockchain implementation. It's something that's visually, can be visually quite appealing. And it's something that can have a, a use case Maybe not a practical use case from from his first introduction, but at least it's a visual kind of case, and also it's a marketing tool. So I think that's that's probably something where if you find that common ground, roll out with something that's not as scary, and then you can build on this. So then you can build on metaverses, on gaming, and you know we can then take it further through towards tokenization, etc. So I think it's 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 mainly taking baby steps education, and then getting these common ground, finding this common ground between consumer and, and legacy. Yeah, I, you touched upon a, a lot of great stuff there. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to avoid the temptation of diving into compliance because we have a whole section on that, which I completely agree with. I think it's a huge mountain to climb as you go into mainstream with these brands. But I also love the fact you touched upon tokenization. I do agree that I think NFTs have been a really nice way for companies to dip their toes into crypto. It's something that feels more tangible. Um, and an easier way to get started, for sure. But I agree that there's some really interesting things I think we'll be able to do with tokenization down the road. I wanted to, one thing I want to touch upon, and this question really, I think probably for maybe either Brandon, David, or Joel, is really one of the challenges that we've seen with brands is that as you pick that partner to Amory highlighted, it's a big deal, right? You're picking up and, you know, people are familiar with certain blockchains and they think that's the way to go. And we're not going to go into, into too deep on the right blockchain and what's not. One of the challenges we see is interoperability between those blockchains and United NFT, right? So as a brand, if I leverage, say, Algorand, dude, but I now want to go sell on an OpenSea, which is going to be on Ethereum, how much of a challenge is that that you think we need to solve for? And, and what do you foresee happening in the future there? So I guess I'll direct that to you, David. Yeah, th thanks, Jesse. So taking a step back and using the same process uh, that Anne-Marie outlined, that Dell outlined internally to chart the right course, 
it's really about getting back to the basics and what's right for the particular brand, right? You want to take an inventory of what are our goals? What are we trying to achieve? And then we can have a discussion around, hey, is blockchain the right technology? And then what is subsequently the right blockchain? And that's a motion that, Jesse, you're obviously familiar with that Brandon and I have very much been trying to refine and perfect here over the last, you know, nine months or so. And so out of that process, you know, as Abdel alluded to, or as Anne-Marie alluded to, how do I engage with my customers in a more meaningful way? How do I give them unique experiences that blend the physical way that I'm engaging and the virtual way? And, and this isn't so dissimilar from the Nike acquisition that was just announced, right? Nike has a very strong physical footprint where they engage with their customers in these traditional mediums. And now they've just acquired a digital uh, platform that allows them to recreate their physical goods in this digital world. And so you might be thinking, hey, wh why would Nike do this in the first place? Well, Nike now has a way of rewarding uh, their consumers in a new channel that is direct to that, that engagement base. And so they can see with High Fidel who acquired the Air Force One you know, token or digital representation. They can reward them with early access to you know, unique designs of that sneaker, to auctions for a new limited series, to uh, in-person events. And so it just is a, a new way of engaging with their brand. And so once you have that use case in mind, now you can start to take a technical lens and a technical evaluation framework on, okay, well, how many transactions do we need for things like Ethereum, where the average transaction cost of creating an NFT and then transacting is over $100? Maybe your NFT price range is, you know, $5 or even a freemium model as a way of driving that kind of loyalty and that engagement. And so if that's the case, you very quickly start to weed through which blockchain technology is the right one for you. And so that, with that in mind, that is what we have built Algorand to ultimately be able to provide. Uh, Algorand is scaling to over 10,000 transactions per second here in uh, 2022. We have immediate transaction finality. And so we're, we're getting into some technical terms, but the, the net result is that Algorand is extremely fast. It's extremely cheap. And it's, we like to believe, very easy for developers to use. Hence why, why I think our partnership with Dept has gone so well is that it really is very approachable for the technical teams. And so all, all that to say, you know, I, I'm not here to espouse. I'm certainly biased. I'm not here to espouse a particular <laughs> blockchain. But when we start with what is the brand's end goal? What is the campaign? How are we going to use this technology in a meaningful way? And then what is the right technical platform? I think we found that Algorand time and time again rises to the top. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, right. I'm abs There's a reason that we chose to partner with Algorand for all the reasons you said. I I'm I'm going to give Brandon a minute to say it because we say it a bunch when we talk to our clients. Judy touched upon about Algorand, which um, is that it's, we call the business friendly blockchain as well. And so I think it's a huge thing as these brands are getting comfortable with crypto, that you find that blockchain is. So Brandon, I'll give you 30 seconds to a minute. Just talk about like, sure. why didn't we choose Algorand as our partner as well, as our blockchain? Yeah, I think it touched upon it right there. You know, it is very business friendly. There's a couple of features that Algorand supports, such as clawback and freezing that I won't get into because it's more lingo, but those are great features that Algorand supports that gives us a lot of, it lowers the risk, right? This is especially when we get, we're touching upon regulation a little bit and, and compliance, uh, but it does lower the, the risk when we use Algorand as the, the backing blockchain. Plus it is a layer one solution, meaning it is a blockchain that comes with all the features that we would need as opposed to trying to bolt on other solutions to that kind of thing. But I think the biggest thing is that when you're, most of the time, you're going to defer to some kind of engineering team to what is the best thing I should use. And 
Algorand has done a fantastic job of creating developer resources, a fantastic developer portal, tools for developers to use their, you know, their node, their sandbox locally on their computer. So you can get up and running really, really fast. I would highly recommend it if you are a developer to go check out their developer portal because it's very good. And if you're a developer, you know that good docs make all the difference and uh, they have great docs. So that's a very, very huge plus. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, that's a great segue uh, kind of into our next chapter. We're going to be covering, going a little bit more into fraud and compliance. This is a big thing that we talked about our clients with. And a big reason that we, what we built Algomart on top of was Algorand for the blockchain, but also for our payments rail circles. So I want to pass it to you, Joelle, and just, if you want to just talk about some of the work that Circle's done as far as being compliant and, and really how Circle can help those brands be able to receive payments and some of the advantages there. Sure, I think I think one one element that quickly comes to the forefront when when brands and, and any company is entering this space is that what what you're dealing here what you're dealing with here is is value right it's value exchange and so I think I think typically people tend to think about things like fraud and compliance when it comes to to monetary exchange right but but actually it's it's a huge concern in in other areas that most of us are not typically familiar with you know in the in the art space and and all of those things you know there's there's a lot of fraud and, and a lot of compliance issues just because you're dealing with value exchange and I think that you know this new technology and and the application to nfts in particular is no different businesses will face unfortunately you know bad actors trying to exploit and and benefit from sometimes people not being extremely familiar with the way that these new things work and and circle has has always been for for eight years now of the belief there there's probably a better technological answer that matches you know the new way that things are being done in, in this technology in blockchain which is to to put a lot of things on chain to to rely less on on people and and on processes and more on software and and similarly for fraud and compliance so for a long time, we have, you know, matched all the investment that we have done in technology from the point of view of supporting the, the actual financial and, and value exchange that is necessary for all these use cases, right? You, you effectively have always a party A and a party B, they want to exchange an asset or they want to exchange currency. But coupling that with with how to figure out, you know, whether those transactions are safe for the participants and, and whether they are compliant with the various regulations. So the way that we typically deal with that is we we bring products to to businesses that that as as we think about it, they layer on top of blockchain technology. We we also we also establish bridges to to the traditional financial system uh, in, in a way that if brands and businesses need to accept payments in the form of traditional payments, such as payment methods such as a card or a bank account transfer or things like that. Um, but the but the transaction, the value exchange that they want actually to take place is delivering an NFT for a user, right? So you need to you need to combine the traditional financial system with with the transaction value exchange that happens on blockchain, and and because those things get very quickly complicated because you're you're effectively dealing with the transaction that's happening across multiple disparate financial services and systems. Dealing with fraud and dealing with compliance is very complicated for businesses, and we and we observed that there was an opportunity for us to help businesses with that. So. What we do is we 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 offer we offer essentially fraud tools and and fraud engines so that if, if businesses and brands are accepting these traditional payment methods that they can rely you know a little bit on on software and and, and hopefully have a better answer for that. And then we are super, super heavy on the regulatory compliance side. We, we deal with regulators all around the world. The circle is licensed in, in many jurisdictions to make sure that all these value exchanges that are happening in all these use cases are done in a compliance, in a compliant way. And also so that 
brands don't don't enter pitfalls uh, that they might not be aware of. You know, as I said, similarly going back to to art and the sale of art and how you know that that is very prone to things like money laundering. You need to understand these high value asset exchanges. Who is behind uh, these these transactions? And so Circle provides a lot of tools for businesses to do with that. That's great. Yeah, thank you. And then the one other thing that just for the audience as well, I don't know if everyone's familiar with the stablecoin that Circle has, USDC, and I didn't know, helpful just to give the audience a little context on what USD and why that's so beneficial for the crypto world in general too. Yeah, happy to. Yeah. In our trajectory as a company, I think we quickly realized, or maybe not so quickly, it took us a few years, but we realized eventually that, that what this space needed was, was the currencies that we are familiar with on a day-to-day basis, the dollar, the euro, uh, the, the Japanese yen, whatever it is, but bring these currencies in the way that people trust them in the, and in the way that they are you know, stable and, and familiar to the day-to-day uh, value exchange that people have. Uh, but bring those to blockchain, right? And have essentially the dollar running on, on blockchain technology. And and USCC is, is Circle's answer to that. USCC wasn't the first to market. You know, there were other stable coins as they're called before. But we when we built USCC, we, we thought about it in a in a particular way. We again with 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 eyes on, on regulatory compliance, we, we thought this needed to be built for the dollar out of the US with US banking partners with, with companies regulated in a particular way. But and but but in a way that it was still liquid and, and super easy to use and super accessible globally. And so we did that with USCC. USCC is the, the second largest uh dollar backed stablecoin today with over 40 billion uh, dollars in circulating supply, and it can essentially play this role or of the dollar that that you know is used for payments of, for example, NFT, but any other transaction happening on blockchain. Yeah, that's great. And I heard someone describe it as probably the simplest way to think about Circle is almost the stripe of the crypto world, which is you know simplifying it way too much. But it's an easy like it's an easy way for I, I think some folks on this call to think about it of like. Great, I can take my credit card and now I can sell something and get onto those crypto rails through USDC on Circle, and then everything opens up to me. Would you agree with that 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 analogy, or do you think that's uh, a little too basic? I I think I think it's a good analogy. I think it helps people quickly understand what we're trying to do. But but I would I would I would risk to say that that we're actually trying to do something that's even a little bit more ambitious than that. I think. Yeah. We, we fundamentally believe that blockchain reels are, are just going to be the next infrastructure for, for finance around the world. And this is going to be a transition and it will take time, but eventually we'll get there. I think we'll, we're seeing that with some use cases like, like NFT and commerce of NFTs, where, where essentially, as I said, a lot of the value exchange, a lot of the payments and settlement use cases are happening then on blockchain. When you see brands and businesses doing that, the, the way that we imagine the future a little bit after that is that Companies will actually be banking with with services that operate fully on top of this digital infrastructure, right? Because it's so much better. It works. It works on weekends, right? It works at eight p.m. at night. Uh, it doesn't close in your face when you most need it. It's fast. It's cheap, as David said. And so we believe that you know the entirety of the financial services industry is going to be rewritten on top of this technology. And we circle ambition to be you know a, a digital currency bank. For all these businesses to to fulfill the needs that they have from a financial service point of view, right now, as you said, we we started with the payments angle because that's a very very material uh, pain point for a lot of companies, and we do a lot of payments. But just this year, now in in late in late fall, 
we have launched a product in, in the treasury space. So, you know, companies now, if they're holding assets in the form of digital dollars, they can now invest with some circle products and, and you know, and make some yield. Certainly a lot better yield than they would make in, in a traditional business savings account. And, and, and that, that's our ambition to continue to provide all of this, this portfolio of financial products to, to businesses. It's a great product. Given the current interest rates, it's amazing what better yield you can get that. So it'll encourage companies to check it out. Super interesting. I won't go too far down this rabbit hole, so I'll stay out of it. But to your point, absolutely seeing all financial systems moving over to this blockchain world because it is more efficient. And you're even seeing some you know, world governments doing it as well. So adopting Algorand as their blockchain to do that, which it's fascinating to see. Very interested to watch that, that play out. Um, I would love to turn it over to you, Abdel. I know I can only imagine trying to navigate going through finance and compliance at Coca-Cola and what that journey looked like. Would love to hear uh, how you navigated it and you know your ultimate solution of launching this summer on OpenSea, how you came to that conclusion and how much compliance played a part of that. Yes. So you're alluding to the NFT that we launched on OpenSea in June, I think it was. Sorry, so that, that took a lot of work. I think it took probably somewhere between two years from laying the groundwork, educating, finding the right partners, finding also what can we launch so it doesn't fall between the cracks. Even if we're a major brand, you know, things tend to fall between the cracks if you launch something on, on OpenSea, how to make it relevant. So so these were all questions that, that I think we needed to answer in those two years. So again, I think I'm not going to go through it again, but as I mentioned, legacy was very important. So so explaining what we wanted to do, how we would contractualize what we wanted to do. Another thing was, can we, can we accept any uh, cryptocurrency to be paid with? We couldn't. So uh, the angle that we had there, I think just for everyone's knowledge, is that we, we basically uh, donated the money that we made, I think it was around half a million dollars uh, to charity, one of our partners. So on, uh, we, we sponsored the Olympics and the Special Olympics. So we donated a half a million dollars to our partner at the Special Olympics. I think I told you, Jesse, before that I think, you know, charity angle sometimes is, is something that's missing. In, in the crypto world. So we were very happy to do this uh, and, and it solved an issue, you know, by accepting cryptocurrency. Beside the point, I think the charity angle was, was a very interesting one. And then also, I think probably talking about the product. So what we did is we, we had a, a friendship box that contained about four elements and each element alluded to a specific part of Coke. So the sound, the face, the color, the image, and all of that was packaged in, 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 in a very nice format in, a, in an Asian or an old uh, fridge, so an old Coca-Cola fridge. So that did very well. That, that did very well. And we were very happy about it. And, and I think what we all, always talk about it internally is we, for us, this, we call it the test and learn. For, so for us, this was really a means of testing the model, testing what we had as procedures, if those were correct, launching it, and then learning from it. So let's see those kind of three, four different procedures really aligned and we had many learnings from it. I, I think you alluded to uh, somewhere also in terms of what kind of partner would you launch this with? So we launched this with a partner to be honest, that didn't have a big track, track record in NFTs, but that took us on their journey. So it's a partner called Taffy. That's an, an old standing partner from ours that does collect uh, collectibles. So that partner then also took that journey with us and launched it with us. They did a great job. The OpenSea collaboration was also interesting in terms of how do we launch this? How, how, how do we communicate about this? You can understand also we as a global organization, again, because this is a test and learn, we don't necessarily want it to become viral. 
So that was something we needed to keep in check, which was difficult. But again, so once we launched it, we learned from it. And I think these learnings in the six months that this happened, we're going to do much better and we're going to commercialize the following collections in a more strategic, commercial and marketing kind of way. So meaning that we will go straight into what does our consumer want from our NFTs? And we will adapt these NFTs collections to our consumers. So you'll see a couple of communications coming out. Sorry, I can't mention them yet, but you'll see a couple of communications coming out, especially because, for example, uh, Coca-Cola is very big for Christmas. So we, there is a need for our consumers to uh, hear about us during Christmas. And this is, a new, again, a new way for us to communicate, uh, launching an NFT during, during, uh, during Christmas with our key, key uh, Christmas assets. And, and again, this is something that we've learned from our, from our previous launch. So, and then up on this again, so we're looking to do, of course, entry into a metaverse, entry into gaming. And all of this for us are, let's go, maybe to a lot of the people that are listening or people that are very heavily invested in the crypto world, this might seem like baby steps, but for us, these are quite giant steps. But with each step we learn and we build on upon them. So it's not that we don't want to make mistakes. We rather make mistakes now than later, but it's just that we learn from each each launch. So the most important thing, I think, just to maybe finish my, my thoughts is that the most important thing is to is education. So I think from the get-go, education is very important. And it, educating the whole kind of the stakeholders inside the business, but also the people that are on the outside of those stakeholders, because in the end, you need that kind of, because it really is a vortex that, that you get them along to, to, to be able to buy in, to be able to launch other things, to be able to, to, and I know there's other questions coming, but for example, what do you do actually with an NFT? Are there any actual users? So we have, we, we sponsors, for example, festivals. Is there, is there any real use to maybe launch an NFT to have a practical use at a festival, a music festival, et cetera, et cetera. So, so yeah, so I think that's kind of the journey. That's where we, that's how we built up on each step. And this is how we were able to launch a, a, a successful NFT from the get-go. But again, building up on it to be more consumer-centric, I think, towards the next couple of steps. And I think, I think, I think that's important. I think it's for us, this is a medium that will that we will be able to communicate with our consumers. But I know not only we will also we also want to be able to make use of of, of this new technology. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I love your Sandy education. Spot on. As- so Brandon and I and David, as we've gone down this journey together, that's one of the things that we learned pretty quickly is that there needs to be a lot of education in because most people is brand new to them and it's a little scary. So we've actually started doing a one-day workshop uh, where our clients will go in and we'll do a deep dive and they're like, here's blockchain, here's the world of NFTs. And then we use the second half of the day to really start figuring out, hey, what does your strategy look like? And quite honestly, for some brands, it doesn't make sense. They're not going to have a strategy yet and that's totally fine, but they're making educated decision they now have a deck that they can go to their other stakeholders with it explains, yes, I've explored NFTs and this is my conclusion I came to. So I love hearing the education, could not agree more. And we touched on this early on, but again, not just being a cash grab, which I think, Emery, you really hit upon that. And, and it, it ties in nicely kind of what our next session was like, I don't know about for you, but you know, at Thanksgiving meal, I had a lot of questions. I'm like, hey, aren't these just like images I'm downloading? Like, why are they so valuable? Which is a totally fair question. But Amory, I'd love to hear your perspective. Like, why are these not just like gifts or images that I can download? What what does, like, really, where is this value coming from? Yeah, I mean, I think in a nutshell, it is this entire ecosystem of blockchain and NFTs is going to bring people closer to the brands that they love and open up a whole host of new experiences. 
And, you know, I want to echo what Abdel was saying about taking that learning mindset. And when I think about the opportunity that lays before all of us, no matter, regardless of our business, one of the things that we studied was just overall the opportunity in this space. And so what I think is incredible to understand is, you know, this summer there were surveys out that said that about 20% of Americans were even aware of NFTs and far less than that percentage had transacted or put hands on anything crypto related. And yet, despite that, when you look at the global revenue numbers in the first quarter, it was 1.2 billion of global revenue sales against NFTs rocketing to 10.7 billion in the third quarter of this year. You step back and you understand that with that small level of awareness and those large numbers, there's just a huge, huge opportunity that's still relatively untapped. But Jesse, just circling back to your question, I think, you know, some of the most interesting things that I've seen that have emerged in NFT space this year are where we're kind of transcending beyond art, which is so fascinating, and music and rights and even, you know, digital collectibles into bringing that into the physical world and now starting to create experiences where, you know, we're going from tokens that are being gamified in, you know, AR ways to, you know, one of my favorite all-time applications this year was actually what Algorand did with the Italian olive oil producer supply chain, where they're helping to bring transparency to all of these local producers and ultimately help link consumers to make smarter choices about the olive oils that they're buying. I think when we think about like what resonates with us about this, it goes back to like that personal touch and how does it tie back to your world? Like I'm love to cook. I'm Italian. So when I read about that, David, I was just like totally swooning over that particular application. <laughs> if, uh, if you're interested, they are taking it one step further and also offering basically certificates of authenticity, but then also the ability to have in-person cooking classes and more bespoke experiences for those that acquire authenticated olive oil. So there's a, there's a whole roadmap of unique experiences. So if that's uh, if you're excited, I'm happy to put you in touch with them. I'm taking you up on that, David. And hungry now. It's still morning for me, but ooh, sounds good. That is really, I agree. Like I, I love seeing this, the, the intersection there between the physical and the digital world. And I just think some of the utilities we have there are going to be super, super neat that we'll see as we go into 2022. Before we go into that last section, which Amrit intended, because it's a perfect segue, which is really, what do we see for 2020? I'd love to hear from you, Brandon, because I know this is something that we talk about a bunch with our clients. Kind of two things. So one, is this really a new thing? Like this idea of, of NFTs or collectibles? And then two, like, is that value in the fact that it's unique? Or uh, like really, where does that value come from? Yeah, that's a tough one. So it's definitely not new. If you think about collectibles, you can think all the way back to baseball trading cards, to Pokemon, Magic the Gathering, which comes up for me all the time because I do play Magic the Gathering. And it was actually the first thing where I realized, like, oh, I wish I could buy these as real NFTs that I could exchange for a real world item. But that goes back to your point earlier about having some kind of further utility other than just collecting it. Maybe it gives me the right to stand in line earlier or later. Maybe it gives me the right to buy more at a cheaper rate later. Maybe it gives me some real world utility where I could exchange it. And I think that's what we're, I think we saw a lot of people rush to the table after they saw those numbers that Anne-Marie mentioned. And we're like, we got to get into this space and then took a step back and said like, how do we get into this space and still be authentic and not have it be a cash grab as, as you mentioned. So that's, that's my hot take on that. 
The numbers are huge. Go ahead, David. I I was just going to expand on it. I I mean, there, there is without a doubt a number of NFTs out there that will quickly approach absolutely zero value with, without question, right? People throw things out there that don't really have, to Anne-Marie's earlier point, a vision for how this is going to add long-term and differentiated, meaningful experience. Now, in some cases, like items that are of the you know, the zeitgeist of the time, like CryptoPunks and some of these other things, I think those will have staying power uh, because it shows that early adoption, that kind of community identity that people have really attached to. But that that's, I think that's a fleeting window of opportunity, right? Brands might be able to recreate that, but I think the real long-term value add here is having a, a more intimate connection with your customers, people who participate in Drone Racing League's original NFT drop, as an example, who are able to attend in-person events, who are able to live stream with special perks, who are able to just extend that, that experience that they're already passionate about in a meaningful way, I think that's where we start to really see the large value capture. And then to round it out and bring it full circle, no pun intended, actually, partnering with companies like Wow to allow you, uh, your consumers to access these items, access these experiences, these collectibles as easy as just using your credit card is is really where it's all headed. And that's the convergence that I, I think I'm most excited about as well. Makes all the sense in the world. Cannot agree with you more. Uh, absolutely, there's going to be those early bragging rights, which are going to be super valuable. But I agree that that is a fleeting moment, and it's going to be super interesting to what is that long term play with with, our, with brands and their clients for sure. I know we're coming up against time a little bit. Uh, I wanted to go down the line and just each ask of you, what do you expect or hope to see in terms of crypto and how it relates to in 2022 and beyond. So I'll start. I'll start with you, Brandon, because you're, you're top of my, my list there. So I'll start with you and we'll start down the line. Yeah, so kind of like I mentioned before, NFTs were a good tip of the iceberg for people to sort of wrap their minds around some of this blockchain stuff. Now what we're starting to see is more people saying, tokenizing something. How do I do that? How do I make money off of that? And there's definitely more education there as well. Lots of education to be had. There's also a big investment on basically just being transparent. And we you know, hit the nail on the head there. It was, if you're going to move toward this concept of having tokenization or having NFTs, what is the roadmap? What is your plan? How are you going to distribute these things? And how are you going to make more? And how are there going to be future utility? And I like that the whole nature of blockchain is about transparency. And now it's pushing companies to actually show that transparency or get left in the dust. And I think that's going to be a big shift in 2022. How about you, David? What are you hoping hoping to see uh, in 2022 in terms of, of crypto and ideally how it relates to brands? Yeah, I think so. When we talk about this utility, the obvious starting point is in virtual experiences. And the first virtual experience that comes to mind is certainly gaming and Meta with their big proclamation about, you know, bringing true virtual world and augmentation to a home near you. It, you know, I think that is the frontier that we'll see the earliest adoption. But to, I mean, we're, we're already seeing this unique combination of virtual and physical with the announcements from Nike, with things like Coca-Cola. And so I, I think that trend, we're at, we're at the tip of the iceberg, as they say, that, that's only just getting started. We have done a number of use cases and and concepts with brands around ticketing, around exclusive experiences, around early access to different venues that they already have. So more traditional brick and mortar and and kind of creating a a unique spin. Museums offering kind of uh, customized viewings of different showpieces. And if you attend, you get a digital NFT and collectible, which not only symbolizes a bragging right, but guess what? 
who's going to be the first people the museum reaches out to when they have a similar experience in the future, right? And so it, it really starts to become an interesting landscape. And I think 2022 is gonna be the year of uh, more traditional brick and mortar, showing how they can easily blend the two. And then these virtual in-game experiences, and then finally AR and VR, showing that these NFTs are getting rendered in a meaningful way where your character looks better, or you can buy a plot of land, or you can do something in the game. Those are kind of the two obvious utilities that I, I think are gonna play out here in the next. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You, you see some of that with Axie Infinity already, which I was blown away how much it's blown up, but. Or anyone in the audience who not had looked any of these like play to earn, I encourage you to Google it. It's, it's a whole other uh, wild world that she that where brands or just companies are interacting with their clients. I'll keep going down this list, Joel. I'd love to hear from you, like what you really are hoping to see in 2022 uh, in terms of crypto and, and what that can mean for companies. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think one thing that we have always been passionate about is is how how the user gets put in the center of these experiences in, in this new technology, right? So I think we talked a lot about blockchain and then people talk about Web3 and now and now NFTs is one of the applications for it. But but one one thing that sometimes gets lost is that how one of the one of the main transformation of powers of this technology is to really put the user, right, the, the consumer at, at at like a more controlling position in, in some of these relationships. Because a lot of what happened with the, the latest phase of the latest evolution of the internet is that, you know, there was a lot of super in, interesting innovations built for consumers, but there was a lot of power kind of consolidated in a lot of these uh, very large brands. And I think I think a challenge, so, so in terms of expectations of what we see for, for 2022 and beyond is, uh, is a lot more of, of this is thinking that, you know, okay, for, for the next set of applications that we're going to think, how do we put the user even more in control of of the experience because because the technology allows for that to happen whether it is in the form of them you know holding the, their their financial assets their currency you know by themselves because they don't need to rely on anybody else on, on a bank or something like that whether it is because they're holding you know the the relationship that they have with them by themselves but i think but i think that or whether because they hold a stake in a network such as such as algorand right and they they kind of invest in in that network just as you can't invest on the internet that easily but the interesting point to me and i think it will be funny enough it will be super challenging for brands but i think we, we need how to learn to live with this next phase is is how how when the customer when the consumer is in control of the experience how do you then continue to build this relationship with them right because i think the world that we need to imagine is a world starbucks rewards become digitized maybe in the form of nfts right and then and then a new coffee chain can can open up a program and say bring your bring your Starbucks rewards and we are going to value that right because now as I said the consumer is in control of those of those assets it's with them it's on their wallet and and it's up to other innovators and and creative people to to then bring and try to try to get and and steal quote unquote those customer relationships by offering more and more interesting things for consumers I think that's going to be challenging for everybody but i think it's also going to promote as i said the consumer in the center of all these experiences and i think it's going only going to be better for the consumers and, and we're very excited about that in this next phase that's a neat that's a neat example i not heard that one with the starbucks example but that's a good that's a good way to highlight yeah putting users in control i really like that uh going down uh abdel um love to, i know you probably can't talk too much about your plans for 2022 but love to hear which what, what your hopes and expectations are and if Simply can't say I understand. <laughs> Thanks, Justy. Yeah, 
let's keep let's keep it secret but something's coming in uh, in a week so but yeah. Joe, I, I love that you mentioned the starbucks because i think loyalty loyalty payments loyalty activations you know either at a, a, a chain like starbucks but also at retail you know if you buy x of of, of white product you can get something for free or at lower priced items you know now it's all done physically i think that that would be an obvious thing to go towards in an nft but in general I think for me, it's all about fan engagement. I think fan consumer engagement, it's, it's, I think this will change how consumers engage with a brand. And I think, for example, a brand, a fan that owns or a consumer that owns a token, you can maybe at Coke, maybe vote on certain flavors, maybe vote on what would be your collaboration that you would like to see us doing. So it'll be much more interactive through a tokenization, I think, or an NFT. So I can see these real use cases. Again, as I mentioned with royalties, something, sorry, with, with the retail, and I think something that I would like to see, but maybe it's still early, is 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 a contract. So I think it will lead towards you know decentralized contracts. Something that I see happening is also the line between virtual and physical will get much thinner, like we saw with Artifact and Nike. So we're also thinking about it: how can a consumer both consume a physical beverage, but also own something on the blockchain? And again, you know, I think we think something like. Can we have something where we have ads in metaverse and those ads can then interact with your avatars and there'll be a certain system around that tokenization i think tokenization will be a major one i think tokenization of, of brands will be a major one next year but in order for that to happen i will mention the forbidden word which is regular regularization so i think we need some more regularization to happen and i know not everyone is probably a fan of this but i think we need some kind of uh, guardrails for brands really to get on board in terms of of of, of tokenizing their brands, uh, I think that that's definitely something that needs to happen. Yeah, I I we're we're talking about just startups as well getting into the tokenization space. Just a lot of fascinating things you can do along voting along those lines for sure. And Marie, love to hear it. I, I know we're help, working with you closely, so I think we got a good idea what's to come for you. But I'd love to hear from your perspective uh, what you're hoping to see or expect to see in terms of crypto and from racing league in general, 2022. Well, I, I definitely agree and echo the sentiments of all the panelists that we're going to be looking at gaming and putting fans in the, in the center of the experience. Maybe I'll take a little bit of a different spin on it, which is what I've witnessed to date is that fans and communities that are interacting with crypto and blockchain are doing so in a very intentional manner at the moment. I think that we're still seeing you know early adopters in this space. And for us as in you know, as an ecosystem to really trans transcend into mass and mainstream, we probably have to evolve our gaming, our applications, our fan experiences into more of a, a state of being where people are using blockchain. They don't even really know that they're necessarily using blockchain. I think we have to make it that simple. And the onus is on us to always kind of elevate that fan experience and ease of use. And so that's really, you know, one of my hopes for the next year. Yeah, that's spot, spot on. It's the only way you're going to be able to do that is if you can make it ease of use and not scare the mainstream off, right? We're really starting, still talking about a small percentage of the population that's comfortable here. So I not agree more. Um, and you guys are doing a great job of that. We've got a little bit of time left. I wanted to open up to the audience for questions. I see that we have some questions in chat already. So I'm just going to read these out. And if you want to answer, please just raise your hand and, and I'll call on you. How are small slash middle market companies, not a huge brand, how are they using NFTs? So I just want to highlight there are, 
as far as with Rocket with Adept, we are today already working with you know brands that are not necessarily these uh, huge brands, but they're really trying to create their own brand through this. So I don't think anyone, I hope the audience does not feel like, oh, this is only something that a large brand would be able to do. That's certainly not the case. And if you go and look at any of the open exchanges today, you'll see all people basically creating their own brands, right? I, I think, David, you mentioned some of them already, like whether it's Cyberpunks or, or CryptoKitties, uh, there's people actually creating these almost brands via NFTs as well. So it is absolutely not just limited to large brands for sure. Yeah, I, I, just to reiterate, you know, we, when you start with the basics, those basics are, are universal. How do I engage with my customers? How do I retain them for longer? How do I ensure that they engage in a meaningful way? And then blockchain, NFTs, these, these items are really just a toolkit that's at every brand's disposal, large or small, to engage your, your users in a meaningful way. As Brandon was talking about, you know, different trading games, there's a whole host of new blockchain-based games where you can actually own the cards and your deck that you play with is based on what cards or in-game items you've purchased or collected through engaging with the game over time. And that is distinctly different than basically every other, unless it's an in-person physical game, right? Like, I mean, you log into the server itself, you might have a card that's assigned to your account, but you don't actually own those cards. And now if I have a choice as a consumer, I'm certainly going to go play the version that allows me to own those and then potentially trade or swap for other cards with other players, you know, lend those to other players. There's just a whole new window of opportunity where if you don't take advantage of that toolkit, you're, you're a little bit, you know, kind of outside looking in. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. There's another question here asking, are, are the large brands going to blockchains and companies like Depth? to figure out what their NFT strategy is? Or is it the blockchain companies say like Algorand or Circle that are going to them to help them craft their strategy? I know my perspective, uh, which is essentially like, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of brands coming to us to help them try to solve that. But I'd be curious from your perspective, David or Joao, if you're actually actively reaching out to any of these brands to, to pitch them of like, hey, let us figure out your NFT strategy. The, the answer for me is, is simple. I work in business development. So the 100%, if you're a brand and you're listening in and you want help refining your strategy or thinking through how you might be able to do this, uh, 1-800-DAVID-MARKLEY. Uh, I'm kidding. I'll, <laughs> I'll leave my email address, but answer is 100% yes. And, and well, I don't, I don't uh, know if Circle is pursuing it in a similar fashion or not. We, 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 yeah, we serve an NFT business, particularly NFT marketplaces, but also large brands that are you know trying to process payments to facilitate the exchange of nfts and and i can tell you jesse or or james who asked the question we don't do a whole lot of outbound we haven't had the time to do a lot of outbound <laughs> we are completely overwhelmed by organic interest so these brands are definitely coming to companies in this space not the other way around yeah that, that's what our experience we do no outside uh, outbound sales for us. it's all inbound I love this next question, a little bit more of a comment, and I think I'll direct this probably to Brandon and David, but just talking about that combination between an NFT and a DAO and kind of all the magic that can happen there. I was curious, I think you alluded to some of this with some of the, the tokenization that we'll see in 2022, but I was curious, I guess I'll direct this to you, Brandon, how powerful do you, do you see that and, and do you see any clients today that are interested in exploring that? 
the uh, set this. Yeah. I think you got the question. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely clients willing to wanting to explore that space of becoming a DAO or creating a DAO. And it's definitely more complicated than I think they might be aware of. But it does touch upon this idea of using smart contracts, which is the other, I mean, it's like the big reason why blockchain technology is awesome. Like with smart contracts, you can do a lot. When you think about a DAO, it's it's typically replacing that middleman, putting the user in control and like think about Uber. Normally you open up Uber on your phone, you would call up an app. Well, what if you could just call up that driver directly and there is no Uber and you're just paying that driver directly? We're not, I'm not even going to get into the whole background checks and all that stuff. That's a different kind of problem to solve. But we can start to see how these decentralized companies will replace centralized companies today so that we don't have to go through a middleman. Um, that is a huge part of the reason why you need a ton of transparency around that. But yeah, there is a lot of interest and still a lot of education to do. And as we mentioned before with the NFT strategy stuff, we also have a whole strategy we're planning for. If you want to tokenize something and go toward becoming a DAO, we can put you on a path to do that and, and teach you and guide you through the whole process. Excellent. I think I have, we have one more question here from, from Rich. So here's just pondering the idea of if you have a Coca-Cola NFT with a variety of flavor combinations that work with their smartphone instead of vending machines, just some of the mechanics of what that might look. Given that it has Coca-Cola in the name, I'm going to direct that one to, to you, Abdel. No. Yes, I think that's what for me. Definitely. I mean... I think I was just talking about how we take it step by step and the easiest steps we're doing them first. So anything to do with NFTs, gamification, metaverses, and then taking a step further in terms of uh, real use cases of NFTs, and then taking it another step further. <clears throat> sorry, there will be a certain kind of uh, a line that would be broken, I think, between uh, an NFT and, and real world use. So in this real world use, you know, you go to any... Uh, <clears throat> chain where our fountains are, you bought a stack of NFT and you can maybe access uh, a secret taste that's that's not available to uh, just anyone else. So definitely the the, the possibilities I think are, are endless. And yeah, I think this is something that we'll definitely see in, in the in the near future. In the near future, yes. Excellent. Well I think we're we're running out of time at this point. I want to thank everyone that uh, listened in. We will be uh, recording this and putting this back up on the web. So feel free to share it out with anyone else. We'll also have people's contact here if you want to reach out to any of our panelists. Thank you, all of our panelists. I know end of year, this time of year, it's super busy. So I really appreciate carving out the time to do this. I also wanted to highlight that we will have a never, another Depth Lab Talks in January next year on trends, and what we've seen in just technology in general. And then we're going to do a follow-up crypto, a little bit going deeper into the technology, more around the tokenizations. Uh, probably getting closer to the, the question we, the last question we get to answer around the metaverse. I think we'll have to wait until February, but we'll go deeper on that and that, that live talks as well. So thank you for everyone for joining. Uh, looking forward to seeing you all in 2022. And thank you again, all the panelists. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks all.